Thanks for listening to another episode of the Gifted Performance Podcast. If you're listening or watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, as well as hitting the like button and the notification bell so you never miss a video. If you prefer audio format, search Gifted Performance on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting service and subscribe today. Make sure you also rate and review the podcast as that helps us out tremendously. Enjoy the podcast and stay gifted. Welcome back, guys. Another episode of the GPP, the Gifted Performance Podcast, where we give you the knowledge and practical takeaways to improve your own general physical preparedness. I am joined today by a special guest. He's won on an absolute content tear recently, Mr. Zach Talander. Is it Talander or Talander? Talander, yeah. Okay, because I'll take both. I'll take both, actually. And then I hear other people say Talander. Yeah. This guy knows how to pronounce his own name. Yeah, well, actually, what's interesting is I've gotten T-Lander my whole life. Oh. Um, But Talander is actually a more accurate representation of, like, the Swedish word. It's Swedish last name. So, you know, Talander, if you think of the movie um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, her Uh last name is Lisbeth Salander. Oh, and they pronounce they have the emphasis on the and, you know, Salander to Lander. So it would be accurate. But my whole life, you know, my dad and his dad, they all said Tellender. So that's what we are. That's a great movie. That girl tickle your fancy. Is that up your alley? What that type of chick that that genre of chick. Just kind of like goth, but in like psychotic. Yeah. I mean, like I think medicine cabinet. I think I think a lot of. Men have a certain level of attraction to that, but the reality, when the reality hits in and you're, you know, you're living with someone like that, it might be a different story. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that's some deep insight right there. So for those who may not know, um, Zach, Zach is the host of the podcast formerly known as the Training Make Podcast. I've just been told that he's got a new podcast. Do we get a name here? Yeah, Telly's Talks. Oh, fucking, I love it. I love yeah. it. Um, I'm being told that it is just an outlet for Zach's rants, which, you know, if you're here watching this video, you've been subjected to one of the or two of those before and you love them. Um, Zach is the creator of strategically and creatively named videos, hit videos like you are not Lou and you are not Klokov. How'd you come up with those names? Uh, well, actually, it's, what's interesting is one of my buddies is a he's a really good writer. Um, and I it's funny, he he posted to Reddit and um, what he posted to Reddit, I was like, my God, like this is, if I could verbal, if I could, sorry, write out my thoughts on this particular topic. And it was about mobility. This is a back in, I think 2015. And I think mobility was an interesting, it was in an interesting place. You know, if you think about mobility wad, uh, which I don't know what it's called now. It's like the state ready state. It's with Kelly Starrett. Yeah. Right? Everyone had One that. Everyone knew about that. Right. And a lot of it was just stretching and myofascial release and all this stuff. And his thing was like, you know, none of that should be taken further than, you know, entirely placebo. Right. The The science does not match up with those things. And he went through and listed all this. And it was a Reddit post. It pro- probably took him like hours to write. And I was like, God damn, you're very good at writing. He's like, thank you so much, man. Um, I've got a lot of other stuff. I'm like, hey, would you mind writing something for me? 
And so he wrote the uh, You Are Not Klokov video. And then I, I threw in a couple edits uh, to it because I wanted to implement my own opinions or, or further some things. And then I voiced that over. I recorded it. And then I edited it for like forever. Um, and then that name, You Are Not Klokov, the reason we said it was because it's kind of this fallacy in the strength world. It's like, you know, Klokov does it. So I want to do it. Um, you know, the, there are certain tendencies and differences that elite people have in any sport, any strength training endeavor that you do, elite people are going to do certain things, but you are not them. Meaning you haven't gone through like the 10 years of training to where they found out that one little thing that helps them. And they do that particularly, it might help you, but that doesn't mean because they're good that it always will. And that was the, that was literally the thesis behind that video. People succeed despite their flaws, not because of them. Yeah. I think people attach themselves to whether it's people, whether it's a system, you know, people attach, like, I'm going to train like Klokov. I'm going to train like mm -hmm. Lou. I'm going to train within the Chinese system. I'm going to train within the Bulgarian system. And because right. I'm subjecting myself to that system or that training, thus yeah. my results will be of that system exactly and lou are, you are not lou was more of a spin-off of that i didn't yep. it didn't have to be called that um and the point of that again was furthermore it was like let me point out why lou jaujun is so successful and why his tendencies should not be copied um and for those listening lou jaujun is a very very decorated weightlifter who's also just like aesthetically pleasing his body you know he looks like a bodybuilder and People love him. Like people are super fanboys over him. Uh, and one of the things that he does is a squat jerk. And uh, again, for the people listening, when you do a clean and jerk, you get the bar up to your shoulders or to your front rack, and then you you get it overhead. And I'd say 98% of all elite weightlifters are going to be doing a split jerk variation. You know. The rest are going to be doing a power jerk variation where it's just both feet stay in line. Um, and then some will, because the weight is heavy, get pushed down into like this hybrid between a full squat and a power. And then some like Lu Zhaojun, very, very few, like I've, I don't really know many others that don't even attempt to stop the bar high. They legitimately drop, they descend directly into a squat. That is something that is completely different than what anyone does or what I would say should do. And that's the point of that video. That's all those things were. It just so happened they were packaged well and they viralized, you know? I, oh, they I, did. I didn't, the thing is, I don't look to viralize my videos. And the moment that I do is like, I'm going to be doomed. You know, I, I just want to make things that, that I agree with or things that I have to say, I have to say things. So I'm going to say them and put visuals over the top so people can understand them. But that was something that I wanted to say. And it just so happened that it went, you know, I don't know how many views it has 3 million or something like that. It's ridiculous. I can't even fathom that. Um, I think my channel has like 11 million views total. So we're looking at They're doing the heavy lifting. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So, I mean, that was a point in your content creation career when you probably had, you know, thousands, maybe tens of thousands of followers. And then you kind of hit a, a very large inflection point. Just out of my own curiosity, what do you attribute that hockey stick in views, subscribers, all of that to? 
consistency. Yeah, I mean, I like I'm always going to gain subscribers. I always have, right? It's the the amount that I gain is like it's ethereal. It's like you can never you you can't hack this system unless you find something creative that you're doing and then you can hack it for a long time and then when other people try to hack it it becomes saturated and it's ruined i mean that's literally any sort of content creation um i can think of a bunch of content creators who have watched explode uh we talked earlier before the show about more plates more dates well what his thing is like if you look at youtube the algorithm it actually promotes view time it doesn't give a fuck about sorry am i allowed to swear Absolutely. It's encouraged. Okay. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't give a fuck about um, subscribers, how many videos you have. It doesn't, it doesn't care about anything other than view time. And so it's going to push videos that are over 10, 11 minutes long. And then it's going to also push the guys who repeat those videos many times. So Derek will make two, three videos a day. If something comes to him, so, and it's great. He's got this sick generation of a content, right? So like, he's got a lot of fans who go into his DMs and they say, look at this shit. And he goes, oh my God, I'm gonna make a video of that. He presses the record button and starts making a video. It's great. People wanna hear him talk. People want that. I, it's For me, it's like a little cheap, right? To just press record and go. It's a little bit cheap. I've started to do it a little bit more. Uh, but I'm a little bit more picky when it comes to things that I want to focus on. But as far as my success and just gaining subscribers, it's as simple as this. Like I, I started, I was at a place where like, I was kind of taking a downturn in my career. I came from strength and conditioning background. I was, uh, at a, like, uh, an assistant, uh, at, uh, Texas A&M strength and conditioning. You were getting paid dog shit. Just be like, hey guys, I was getting paid dog shit. Yeah, and and uh, so yeah, so then so I was an assistant at strength strength and conditioning at Olympic side of uh, Texas A&M sports. So you know, swimming, track and field, whatever, just everything but the big money makers. So football, baseball, basketball, all had separate facilities, separate coaches. The Olympic sports is where we were, um, and. I, I don't know. I don't think I, I just didn't really want to be a part of that anymore. I, I didn't see the end goal as being something that I wanted to be a part of, which is no, there's no issues there. It's just, I wanted to move on. So I became a personal trainer and uh, a personal trainer at Gold's Gym with a CSCS, a USAW level two, CrossFit level two for whatever that's worth. You know, all these certifications, I had NS, NCSF, like all this bullshit. Uh, and to be in a gold's gym, like that's a little bit of an undershoot for me, but I didn't mind, you know, because I needed to make money somehow. And someone had gotten me to basically just look at YouTube for me. YouTube originally was a place where I could just see videos like viral videos. If someone wanted to send me a, a video that wasn't professionally made, even, and it was funny, that's where, how they sent it was YouTube. That's how I thought of it. And in 2015, people started showing me like vloggers and like people that were actually called creators, right? They would, that's what they did. They made content on for YouTube and they were not, it wasn't viral shit. They just put it on their channel. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, I didn't know that this was what people are doing. And so what I did, I was like, I want to do that. So at the time I was personal training, 
weightlifting coaching. And then myself, I was doing CrossFit again, just because I wanted to do something different. Like for me, CrossFit is something where I have no problems ripping on it. I, I understand it. That's why I understand it. Um, but when I do CrossFit myself for my training, I like it because I'm under control. I'm smooth. I try to move technically as well as I can. And I just try to keep that technique while I'm fatigued. I do not try to push to the point where my, my technique looks like shit. The moment that you push where your technique looks like shit, I'm out, you know? You're so, a meme. You've officially become a meme. Yeah. So, so that's, so my first videos on YouTube were just like shitty vlogs of me doing CrossFit training. And like, um, I remember I sent it to, I put it on Reddit. Uh, and I was like, check out these videos on my YouTube. And one guy commented, he's like, you know, this isn't very good because you don't have a mission. You know, what are you, what's your goals? Like, are you going to try to go to regionals or whatever? Like, what's your thing? You're not like particularly strong. Like you're not crazy strong and you're not like a sex symbol, like Brooke Entz or even like Rich Froning or whatever. You're a sex symbol to some Zach. What he's like, what are you like? What are you good at? And I was like, well, I'll tell you right now, I'm fucking good at teaching the Olympic lifts. And, and not only that, I'm good at teaching it to beginners because I'd literally done it thousands of times. So boom, switch. I got rid of all that, that garbage in my YouTube. I almost wish I saved it so I could like laugh about it, but I, I got rid of all that and I made my first video and it got a few thousand views. I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. Um, and I remember I got emails uh, whenever I got a, a subscriber. And I got like 25 emails one night and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So from that day, and I don't know what day it was, it could have been 2016 or 2017. I've made a video every single week and that's it. I just didn't stop. I just, here's another idea. Here's another video. Here's another idea for however many weeks, 200 weeks straight. And that's what got me to, I think I have 128,000 subscribers now. And, uh, that is it. That is literally it. I found what people liked and what they liked was my voice and the way that I would put things out there. And I just kept doing it over and over and over again. And I still do it over and over again. I just made a video less than an hour ago and posted it. So, so Zach is about all things weightlifting, did some CrossFit, did some SNC in his life. Before all of that dominated your life, I believe you had a career in lacrosse. Yes. What else, what else were you into? Uh, so growing up, I did like too many sports. Um, I, I, like most little kids, you do karate. Uh, and then my family was a swimming family. So uh, my sister swam division one, but actually two of my sister swam division one. They played water polo as well. And then, you know, my dad played uh, football in college at Northwestern University and then was drafted by the Kansas city chiefs. Um, and then, you know, so my whole life I've been playing everything under the sun. I, I swam, I, I even did diving. I did, uh, uh, you know, lacrosse track and field football, basketball. But then once I got to high school, it was just football and lacrosse. Uh, and, um, by my junior year, I'd gotten a scholarship to University of Vermont for lacrosse. 
and then you know that was my next four years and i think that's really I, I the moment i got in the gym when i was like 13 was the moment i decided like i'm just never gonna not be training like i'm never gonna not want to grow my muscles like i remember that moment vividly so your training career through your sporting uh history was that was there exposure to the olympic weightlifting movements or were you just a, no, a bench and biceps kind of guy well actually it, interestingly enough we had a <laughs> We had a strength and conditioning coach that was fucking insane at the University of Vermont. That's um, about right. And he ended up, you know, having a massive pill addiction and he was fired. Uh, and, but we did hang cleans uh, from above the knee with straps and just hang power clean, just basically grip and rip. And, it's a very remedial elementary movement and I still do them to this day. Um, and it was like my freshman year. I, I remember I did like 120 kilos, but it was horrible, man. Horrible. Like if there was video of it, like I would destroy that evidence. So that was my exposure then. And I, what I can say is those, like what they did to my upper back and my just general standing power, like standing power, what I mean is like your ability to just like manipulate things with your upper body while you're in a full standing position, like that changed my life. And when I started weightlifting, um, I had that little bit of an advantage from that. Uh, and I still do them to this day, the, the hang power cleans with the straps, obviously much more technically sound, but that was it. That was my exposure there. Other than that, it was squats, bench press, you know, gym stuff. I'm glad that movement exists in like traditional SNC at the D1 college level because you can see these throwers doing mm -hmm. like 200 kilos for triples yep. on yeah. hang powers. And it's like anyone who ever says, you know, America, the US will never have a good super heavy to throw out there. It's like show them these guys that are tripling 200, 210 from a hang with straps with quite literally zero technique. It's like there's yeah. your there's your great super heavy right there. This is what could be. Yeah, we have the best shot putters in the world right now. We have two of the best, Kovacs and um, Ryan Kra Ryan Krauser. I don't know Kovacs' first name, something, but they're f they're fucked up strong, like fucking yeah. crazy strong. Um, and yeah, so throwers, also football players. Yeah, I just I love. I think. I mean, I could dive down this rabbit hole about we could <laughs> about about weightlifting movements. Because I've heard it all, man. Like, uh, you know, the, there's people people who are staunchly against them for no real reason. Um, I think they're, you know, they're so frightened by the gatekeeping weightlifting community that they've created these kind of un or indisputable uh, arguments against the Olympic lifts themselves. And those arguments, they're they're false in their own like creation. They they shouldn't be there in the first place. Like I can simplify them, and I've continually argued against them over and over again. Basically, long story short, people think that variants of the snatch and variants of the clean and jerk should not be used in strength and conditioning for a you know a gamut of reasons. Um, and I disagree wholeheartedly. 
Well, I think the most common one is that it's a risk reward ratio, right? Is that the risk of those movements for these athletes that have never been exposed to them in their life is high. And the reward is kind of is on the lower end. And then you also inject into that scenario assistant SNC coaches who have probably never coached to right. the level so that you what did. What I would say is I would reverse those two, right? So I would say that's the problem. It is. That's the problem is people who 100%. don't know how to coach them, not the actual danger of the movement. Yes. See, that's that. Yes. I, that's another thing too. I actually made an Instagram pro post pretty recently um, talking about dangerous movements or good or bad movements. There are no good or bad movements. There are good and bad people, right? So if you move poorly and that is dependent on your own ability as an athlete and then the load that you choose to use. If you move poorly, you will get injured. Both of those factors do not matter. They, none of, neither of those two factors have anything to do with the type of movement you decide to do, right? So essentially, my, my, the road that I will continually go down is risk reward is actually not, there, there is, there's very limited risk. I mean, and there's risk anytime you step into the weight room. Okay. But it's minimal. If you, if you are under control and you're not a fucking idiot. Okay. How is there not risk in having a, an offensive lineman do a four board bench with bands and chains with 400 pounds on the bar? How yeah. is there also not risk attached well, to that? You know, if he's a full full range of motion, 500 pound squatter, then it's not a risk. But if he's a like weak guy who just like arches his back and lifts his hips, yeah, it's fucking dangerous. So that's my thing is like the way that I teach the snatch and the clean and jerk or the clean right now I work with MMA athletes. So that's who I do strength and conditioning for in person every day. We just had a session today and they all power clean and they all power snatch. They all front squat, they all back squat, they all bench press, but we also do carries. We also do grip work. We also do neck work. We also do standard things that will help them for their sport specifically. People think it's one or the other and it's not. But what I will say is then if it's not risky, like if you take my argument as it, as, as it is, if it's not risky, then it's the time aspect, right? I don't have the time to teach these athletes a technical movement to get this when I can do something else and get something really fast. And what I would say is, well, if you're inept at teaching them, then yeah, you won't. But I teach motherfuckers how to power clean and power snatch in 20 minutes or less. We will get a full workout in, trust me. They will get adaptation, trust me. And they will also learn how to power snatch and power clean safely. And then the gains that they will get from those safe movements eight weeks from now will be innumerable. They will be greater than many, many other movements that you're getting benefits out of now. And that's just always been my philosophy. If you're not comfortable teaching the power clean, don't do it. If you aren't comfortable and you want to get comfortable, go learn it, go train it. But don't say that the movement is inherently bad and it's not worth it because that's where I start to have issues with that. And dude, like just fucking today, literally just today, just today, people, where's this, uh, 
people on Spotify. Zach's pulling up the uh, the Instagrams. He's going straight to the IGs. I think. Yes. Maybe the here Google. We go. Here we go. So the big lie is that Olympic lifting helps a forward locomotive athlete. And if you look at it in slow motion, and you look at what the forward slow motion video athletes do, here's what you find. Let's say football, for example. When are you running around in football and the ball's in the air and you pay time out, you reach down to get a barbell and you lift it up backwards. Think about it for a second. When do you do that? Never. When do you, in the middle of a basketball game, reach down, other than picking up the basketball, which weighs less than a pound? Okay, so is this Goda? Are you yes. subjecting the people to Goda? Yeah, this is them. Oh, you've been Goda, people. Well, so, I mean, I've had issues with them for years now, and I've done a debate with them. I've been on you their radar. A yeah. And, and here's the thing is like, it's weaponized specificity. Okay. His argument for when are you going to bend over and pick something up? Like, Probably never. I don't fucking nope. know, but that's not why we do this. People like weaponize specificity just because it is the with not within the exact specific bounds of your sport doesn't mean it's not fucking worthwhile. It's the, the reason why you guys are your podcast is about general physical performance. Why would you want to be general fi- generally physically prepared when you could just go walk and run and and there. That's it. So I don't subject myself to the go-to folks too much just for my own sanity, but what does their actual training look like? Because if it's, if they are hyper specific with their training, the only real argument that they can make that holds water is that you should only play your sport. So here's the, the here is their thing. thing. This is their training methodology. You're broken. We're going to fix you. Then you're going to be amazing. That's it. It's not, that's their methodology. The way that you walk, the way that you run is broken. So we're going to fix that. And that's all you fucking need. You understand? You know what? You the way that we fix you, that's it. And then don't do anything else. So their methodology is marketing, basically. It's That is, yes. That essentially their methodology has to come with the bounds that someone is wrong and they're correct. Always. What did it for me with their videos was they had a video of Matt Frazier walking up to a bar and they said, here's a CrossFit athlete. And I was like, show some respect. It's not a CrossFit athlete. That is the CrossFit athlete. That is the guy. Yeah. Yeah. So when we when we circle back to the safety of weightlifting, I think a lot of the injuries are consolidated. A lot of the upper body injuries are consolidated to the elbow specifically. And when we look at the elbow, there's a specific rule that has come under contempt or some some fire recently surrounding the elbow. And that is the rule of the press out with Kuo Sung Chung's latest world record. I think she there's a lot of there's a lot of talk. Yeah. Maddie Rogers and uh, um, Maddie Rogers, Yangja, all of them. Maddie's was pretty shouldery. That one was that one. Was I know, funny. I know. They all. Um, I'm I'm not a Maddie savior though. Um, so I asked this question to Seb. I want to get your opinion on it as well. Let's pro and con it. Pros and cons to eliminating the press out rule because I believe you are on team abolish the press out. Yeah, I mean the pro is just aesthetics, and that's it. <laughs> and the cons is are. It's the dumbest fucking rule on the face of the earth. It's so dumb uh, because it makes a objective sport subjective. It makes uh, – you have to make real-time biomechanical assessments in 
I'm talking less than a tenth of a fucking second, which is impossible. The, to understand how someone's elbow should be locked and then to see a shoulder go up and down. Also, by the way, shoulders internally and externally rotate. They so do. when that happens, the elbow can become a slightly less locked or it can be locked and it just looks like it unlocked and all these things happen. If you, if you rotate your shoulders, like you have to walk out a snatch. God, you know, it's about making lifts on the fucking platform. If you rotate your shoulders, that shit is going to get a red likely. That's not the rule, by the way. That's not the fucking rule. We also see judges start to have grudges against people. Oh, this guy's a press outer. So next time he comes up, I'm, he's basically guilty until proven innocent. I've got my hand on the red here. And then he's got to prove to me why it's a good lift. Do you see it? Like, it's the, the culture that surrounds it is what fucking sucks too. Other than the, the fact that it's an impossible judgment to make. Like, unless you like, unless you're lenient or unless you're not lenient, it's impossible to make. So what we have are lenient judges and non-lenient judges. So it's a fucking coin flip as to whether you make it if there's any sort of struggle at all, right? So our sport has turned into, it needs to look perfect or else it does not count. That's it. But it needs it's to not look about the elbow. Subjectively perfect. It yes. needs to look perfect to me. Yes, and I need well. So, but I guess that's true. And I would say, but generally, that means your elbows need to snap locked, zero rotation in the shoulder, at all, zero unlocking at all of either of the elbows. If it twinges a little bit, not good enough. And that's it. And that, like, that is, uh, you know, it's it's a bullshit rule. It needs to go away. It absolutely needs to go away, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And then when you look at, so when you look at other sports where we have this process of a rule that continues to need that continues to be reviewed. So I look at it like the in the NFL, they have you know how pass interference can now be reviewed. So I see that as like the press out rule as well. So the argument against reviewing pass interference in the NFL is that it slows down the game. Okay, now anyone who's ever weightlifted before, put yourself in the shoes of the person who's, a, who's the next lifter up, the lifter who's about to be called to the platform, and now you've got a press out, a jury review, a coach's challenge, and what was going to be your bar in 30 seconds is now your bar after eight minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. It is a it is a rule that, in my opinion, quite literally makes the sport objectively worse. Yeah, and and I mean, it also is a, a, a defunct rule in that it never gets overturned. Yeah. It only gets overturned negatively when the jury decides to stop it. That's yeah. it. it. I Not one coach's challenge has worked. Yeah. Since the no. implementation of it in, I don't know, two years ago. Yeah, not one, not one. So <laughs> unless someone say, can point it out to me, I, I've, I've not seen one review seen that it. like a coach's challenge, never. So it's yeah. dumb, right? Just take out the press rule and we'll be good. What you should have to do is have fully locked out elbows and hold the weight overhead. That should just be the only rule. Locked out elbows, hold it overhead until the down signal, right? If you have it, if your elbows are unlocked when the down signal comes and you, you know, so, something like that, if you're able to stabilize and hold and they give you the down signal, it should always be a good lift. Always. So, and I'm 
100% agreement uh, up front here. So what what we've actually done, gifted performance, we're throwing a weightlifting meet where we've essentially pulled back those rules. We're calling it the max out or blackout classic, where you are allowed to press out lifts. You are allowed to elbow touch. You are allowed to butt touch. You can bar slam. You can talk shit. You can do all of that. We're keeping the essence of weightlifting, removing all of those those terrible rules. We're giving people WWE style entries through the fog machine, music of their choice. You get a stage name to lift under. Zach, can we count on your attendance at the Max Outer Blackout Classic? Yeah, for sure. I'd love to do that. He's there. He's there. I would love to do that. We're giving away cash prizes. The cash will be in briefcases hung from the rafters that you will have to climb a ladder, WWE ladder match style, to retrieve your winnings. And honestly, (laughs) I think you got a pretty good chance of winning if you had a good day. I'm in. I'm in for sure. That sounds amazing. Yeah. 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 We're we're, going to make it. We're going to make it a raucous event. Now, something you did say that made me laugh a little bit was you said that some athletes become kind of like these specially judged athletes, like the judges just absolutely hate them. Now, why do you think that's Keanush Rastami? <laughs> no, I don't think it's, I don't, I think. I, and why I mean, does Maggie Rogers get the benefit of the doubt? Well, so. Free Keanush. Yeah, I think, well, Keanush Rastami, his whole story is that, He's insane. Yeah, he's just, he's not very smart. I mean, he had multiple <laughs> times, he didn't know the qualification process. And I'm sure Seb actually talked about this with you. He missed a lot of meets that he sh- could have just totaled at, and then he would have been all clear. Uh, he, he didn't even total certain things that he needed to, like certain meets, he just, all he needed to do was total, and then he bombed out. Uh, you know, he, he like created this like little, charade in front of the bar after missing at worlds but i guess when you put yourself more in that radar like potentially the judges are going to have that predisposition to you but i'm actually thinking more about like the lifters that i've coached and the lifters that i've seen lifting um at nationals and at national meets if you lift and you have a bent elbow in one of your lifts and you're coming out again, they're eyeing you down now. Sure. Right. And I guess that's somewhat fair, but again, we supposed to, we're supposed to take each lift as they come as its own. Yep. Yeah. That doesn't, you shouldn't have a bias, right? It's judgment with zero bias. And yet their bias seems to creep into all of these. Um, but yeah, again, the, the press rule is just aesthetics and it's not, objective at all it takes away the objective nature of a completely objective sport and it's bullshit yeah we had we had kianush at the at the asian championships we had a lot we had a really good uh good little run of weightlifting there the the live commentaries that you and seb and everyone were doing were, were really fun to watch those are those are really cool oh man um, i had a blast doing those oh it looked yeah it looked fun so in terms of standout lifters from those international championships who who really caught your eye across all of them asian european pan am i mean obviously europeans got to be lasha and lord Anatoma with the world record Kuo Sing Chun with the world record um, in the in the Asian games. Pretty much all of Team China. Um, showing up and showing out. Yeah, always, you know. Um, I think 
let's think uh if we want to look at americans that performed unbelievably well you know i think the number one is uh jordan dela cruz gotta be now interesting story about her with uh when max was coaching Alyssa ritchie um jordan decided to bump down to Alyssa's class where Alyssa was kind of the top dog in that 49 kilo class because she wanted to gain some more Roby there. She thought it would be easier. And Max was upset about this because, you know, it's now another competitor against Alyssa, a potential competitor that could, could get in the way of her Olympic dreams. And he thought it was stupid. He's like, what, is she going to go down in weight and put up, you know, over nine kilos more than Alyssa? And then literally that meet she did. And that was yeah. the Roma Cup meet. Those were some crazy lifts at that. And then she did even better at Pan Ams. Um, I think she's by far the top performer right now. Uh, you know, I, I love seeing Nathan Damron put together a good total and make all of his lifts for once. It's the first time in his career ever doing six for six. Uh, I liked, you know, Maddie, I think. Congrats to her. It's a big you know, it's a big thing. Um, Maddie was, I think her lift was shouldery, you know, it could have gone either way, but it, it probably was, you know, if it was ruled a, a press out, like I would have been like, yeah, kind of, you know, as far as the rules go. Um, but again, that would have been total bullshit. I mean, think about Maddie's, if you look at Maddie's um, prevalence on Instagram, you know, I don't know how, what percentage of those people actually watch weightlifting or give a fuck about weightlifting. I would imagine a very small portion of people that follow her do. I think she's got like 500,000 Instagram followers. And if she's about to post a lift and say, this didn't get counted. What does that say to the people uh, who watch it? They're like, what the fuck is this sport? Yeah. I don't get it. She lifted the bar over her head and stood there with it over her head. And then the judge said, you can drop the bar now from over your head. And that's not a fucking lift. What is the point of this sport? You know? Um, so yeah, that again, Maddie, huge. And then CJ Cummings, just always doing what he needs CJ to do. Things. Yeah, he's always doing what he needs to do. It'll be interesting. He's got a tough shot, man. I don't think... I mean, the, the odds are stacked against him in that weight class uh, to it's get a not, medal in, in Tokyo. It's not a good weight class. What, do you, what yeah. do you think is a good move for him going up? I mean, he's still very young, plenty of time to go up. Man, I don't know. I have no idea. It depends on potential. Like, I don't, I, I can't tell what sort of potential someone has. I mean, I think going up in weight, if she, if he is a, he's a 73 now. Yeah. Right? 73? Yeah, I believe so. Or is he a 67? 73. No, he's a 73. Yeah. So it'd be a 73 kilo to now go to 81. I mean, dude, you it's not going to get him any more competitive. It's going to probably place him in the exact same place, even if he goes up in five kilos in both lifts. Right? So that added body weight gain comes with an added necessary total. Yeah. So you just have to make that pick of is the body weight going to reflect that much in his total because he seems he's someone that i've seen as like really knocking on his ceiling for quite some time now i think his ceiling is here and i think he's he's very very close to it in my yeah. opinion and being a natural 
like a natural lifter, uh, at least to the to the bounds we we know. You know, it's a, one of the things that people who are listening, like as far as being natural or not, like he's gonna get tested by USADA, and like when USADA knocks on your fucking door, like they don't fuck around, and they're gonna catch you, and they're not going to save you. There's no corruption there. They're a bunch of assholes. Thank God they are. Like they really are. Like yeah. if you have international listeners and people think like you saw it as a joke, they're fucking not. They're a bunch of Nazis and they're going to get you and they they want to pop you. Okay. So if he is doping or not, more power to him because he hasn't been caught and these people come knock on his door when he's not ready. Um, he's ta- he could be taking things that get out of his system fast, but who knows if that's po- true or not. All I know is like, when someone has to deal with that level of testing, they don't, they can't consume the level of drugs that other countries might. So if he's clean, man, one of the only ways for someone like that, that can go up is to gain body weight, you know, um, as you get, you know, mature more into your adult, uh, life. And there are goods and bads with that drug testing, the, the, USADA, the seriousness of USADA versus other countries. With USADA, you know up front who's going to be there, who's tested positive, who hasn't. With other countries, you know, it's a little bit of a hit or miss in terms of if they're going to be banned for the Olympics, who's going to be showing up at championships, things like that. And you mentioned her, because I'm a huge fan of her as well, Laura Donatoma. How crushed are you that she's likely not going to be in Tokyo because of some of the issues that Romania has run into in terms of drug testing. Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, you're, you're a federation. A you're a big. You're a big federation. You know, like if you f- keep fucking up, shit's gonna happen. You know, um, I actually talked to Nat from Hook Grip about the Bulgarian 16-year-old who did a 205 jerk at 70 or at at 81 kilos, which was offensive. I personally yeah. am very offended by that. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, all I would say is like drugs are most likely happening. Guys, When where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, it's Bulgaria. Okay. Their history with drugs is incredibly prevalent. It's a 16-year-old who less than three years prior was clean and jerking 140. Uh like it's freaking his milk. Yeah, it, it's it's unlikely that he wasn't on drugs, right? But the egregiousness of that and and the fact that well, how can he get away with it? Well, I'll tell you how. Like is there a Bulgarian drug testing federation? I don't know. News do they go and is. like do they yeah, are are they going to go and fucking not like here's the deal like with our with USADA for us, it's like USADA doesn't give a fuck about USA weightlifting, the, like the, the, the group, like USAW. They don't care about USAW. If you're in a testing pool, you're getting tested, and I'm not going to tell USAW shit until you get popped. Like, I'm going to test you whenever I want, however I want. In Bulgaria, in, you know, even places like Ukraine, Romania, like, do you really think that there's going to be an operation that, exists outside the scope of the federation where they're just going to go and show up to someone's door and make them, you know, and, and, and catch them doing drugs. Like 
if there's testing at all, they're going to give that test result right back to the federation that wants these lifters to compete. So what Nat was saying to me was that there is, it, there is zero, it, it is only a net positive to continue taking drugs on a ridiculous level because we have consistently not punished these countries. You know, Bulgaria does not simply does not give a fuck until you say, all right, the next two Olympiads, you're out. You're uh, no longer allowed to send more than like one lifter, you know, to world events. Um, none of your lifters can qualify, like certain things like that. Right. Until we start doing things like that drug use is just going to continue to keep happening and be rampant. And that's, you know, Romania has broken the, the drug rules thousands of <laughs> times. I mean, Laura, Laura Donatoma herself was popped as a junior. Yep. Um, and it's, it's always interesting to see lifters who are popped early on in their career <clears throat> and they continue to progress as if nothing happened. You know, Lasha being the biggest happening. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lasha getting banned and then not being tested. What was it? He wasn't tested at all during his banned period, wasn't he? Yeah. That's the story. Yeah, that's the story. But, you know, they'll do anything they can to protect him. I, I think, yeah, it's just ridiculous. So, and that's, okay. So that's kind of like one of the overarching issues of this conversation when I reached out to you to sit down was like, this is, seems like a very logical point where the IWF steps in to save their sport, to protect their sport, but they don't. And then you made an entire video. I love that video, the CrossFit warm-up during the World Championships. Mm, chef's kiss. Great content creation there, guys. So I'd actually like to hear you kind of expand upon your point. I, I believe you said something to the effect that the IWF is taking an active role in destroying their own sport or, or just not stepping up to protect their sport. Yeah, no, they're definitely taking an active role. The, the problem is this. It's like when you built when you build a house of cards, the rebuilding phase, like there's no infrastructure at all, right? Their whole infrastructure was making a ton of money off of very corrupt things. And there was a lot of great lifting happening. So that was their system. And now we decimated it and we're going to continue to decimate it. And what that takes is very innovative people who are very intuitive and, and very like excitable and like ready to take on a new challenge, i.e. young people need to step up and, and change this sport, but there's no money. So if you're running a social, so, so the social media campaign for IWF is pathetic. And that's what I pointed out. They, you know, they, they farm their, their social media to other places and the other places know nothing about the sport or the goings on in the sport. Right. Imagine if the UFC, if, imagine if UFC just, if there was, you know, like take one of the big events that just happened, Kamaru Usman knocking, knocking out Masvidal. And not even mentioning it. And then and then later, there's a picture of Kamaru from a different fight. He's knocking out some other guy. Yeah, or just like, you know, just a random picture from another fight. Like, that's what they do. But yep. I understand it, right? They pay a minimum fee. Like, they just take it out of their marketing budget. They pay a minimum fee, and some dude just posts random pictures. I get that. 
okay? That doesn't mean it, it rocks. It fucking sucks. Because what it would take is someone to be, get out there, care about the sport, care about growing this thing and getting zero credit. And if you're going to get zero credit, God damn it, you better be getting paid. And they're not going to pay someone like that. That's the ultimate conclusion that I've come up with. So I think that the IWF really is kind of doomed in the way that they run things in the modern era. And they're not changing anything at all. It's ridiculous. When you sit down and you think about things that they could possibly change, um, you know, outside of the social media, what what comes to mind? Because you've got multi-billion dollar sporting organizations, the NFL, the NBA, the European Premier League. Is there nothing that can be stolen from these like soccer? I'm sorry if you like soccer, but soccer is shit to watch. Weightlifting is way cooler. Soccer shouldn't be making more money than weightlifting. Well, I, maybe I'm biased. You're definitely biased. Okay, perfect. <laughs> you're definitely biased. <laughs> but I, 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 um, how could they improve as far as like eyes on the sport and excitement? Well, sure. you know, it, it used to be on the wide world of sports. Um, weightlifting used to be seen as a thing that was like, here's one of the strongest people in the world, you know? Um, and what's interesting is we, we got, we basically created the new weight classes and, um, so that the old world records were gone. And that's a common move to make if you want to allow your athletes to break world records, um, for a live audience to make your sport more exciting. And they haven't done that at all, right? You have to be able to get ABC to to, to say, Hey guys, like, look who's in town. Lashital Hadza is here. And like, he has a potential to lift the most weight that's ever been lifted before. Right. And maybe things like that could occur, but I think even more than that, like they've just been getting so much bad press that it's almost impossible for them to get around it. Um, and the, the pitiful thing is that's why social media is so important is because it's going to take away the bad press, right? That the more that you just like Lu Xiaojun hitting a world record, uh, or yeah, Li Dayin snatching a world record, God, all these amazing lifts occurred and you could just show them endlessly right after they happen, repost, everyone posted everywhere. You know, the chatter about drugs can pop in there, but no one gives a shit. The sport's going to explode. Yeah. It's that simple. I mean, like, as much as that makes me sound like a millennial or a Gen Zer, like that's the world we fucking live in. Like social media does matter so much so that it's the only thing. People think that like there's a difference between mainstream media and social media. No, they're the same. Social media is mainstream, right? So you don't just, you know, like I said, approach NBC Sports or ABC, whatever the fuck. But like the reality is you, you might not even have to do that anymore. You know, like just be better at promoting your own sport. It's that simple. Like just be better at showing the videos of the badass dudes you have. People want to see that shit. Yeah. 
I, I don't I don't think that the sport should be something that I have to get commentating on one screen that's over here from Seb while I watch some Spanish dude's live stream of Pan Ams. It's like IWF could so easily reach out to, you know, high volume viewership content creators in the world of Olympic weightlifting to say, Zach. Dude, it'd be so easy. It'd be so, so easy. easy. It'd be so easy. I mean, that come on. Like, you could think of... Right now, off the top of your head, you could think of 10 things to promote a sport like weightlifting. Easy. Easy. Easily. And Easily. they won't do any of those. They're but too... Weightlifting has possibly one of the most dominant athletes that has ever existed, ever walked the earth right now. Lasha Talahadze is the equivalent of Wilt Chamberlain scoring 100 points one night, 101 the next night, 102 the next night. And every night he just goes out there and he breaks his own points record. And the IWF is like, you know, here's how to do a handstand push-up. Yeah, yeah. Here's a video of uh, a CrossFit coach doing a handstand push-up to push-up workout. It's like, it's ridiculous. People are like, you know, that's not really that important. I'm like, it's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters is promotion for your sport. That's why sports exist. People want to watch them. If the IWF came and knocked on your door and they said, Zach, we need you to do some commentating for the, for the Tokyo Games, do you think they would pay you more or less than a graduate assistantship in strength conditioning? Less. By a lot? Uh, I don't know if that's possible because I was making <laughs> minimum wage. Literally, you were, in the state you of were Texas, minimum wage, minimum wage, seven twenty-five an hour. I feel like that's honestly lucky. Usually, so, it's even less than that. Give well, yeah, I mean, usually it's table. nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's how it works. Like interns get nothing, and then I was in a paid internship position, quote unquote paid, and uh, it was minimum wage in the state of Texas is seven twenty-five an hour. So, not ideal. All right, but. You know, it's not all negative here. I think that with the growth of your channel centered around weightlifting, um, with the growth of Seb's channel, Weightlifting House, people like Seek of Strength, people like Clarence, the, the viewership on weightlifting is taking an uptick, I, I, I think. Yes, I think, I think so too. It's just going to be, is it enough? And uh, is it fast enough? That's what I don't think... Like you've got two speeding trains racing I said at this, each other. Right I, now. I said this in the last video that I made, the one about the IWF. It's like if I walk down the street and I say, I'm a weightlifting coach, do you know what that means? Oh, so you're like a bodybuilder. No, it just they <laughs> wouldn't know the first thing about no. what that means. If yeah. I said, I'm an Olympic weightlifting coach, maybe not, still probably not. Still probably wouldn't know what the fuck that means. No. You know, if you do you remember weightlifting when you were a child? Like do you remember the sport of weightlifting when you were a child? I like remember, on TV. I remember watching Hussein Razazadeh and I was like, I don't know what this dude is doing, but he is a burly boy and that barbell looks rather heavy. That is the extent of my viewership of weightlifting as a child. That's exactly mine as well. It's the same. It's like put yourself in that position. And that's the world. Yep. That's where the world is. It's not like we have the names of, like, I didn't know what those movements were. I didn't know anything. They just, 
did this thing. I don't know what, what it is. I, I don't know anything. I just know there's a guy doing a thing. And I saw it on the Olympics because they showed it for five seconds. That is the highest extent of everyone in the world's knowledge of weightlifting that's outside of this community. And that's a lot of fucking people, man. And I live, you know, I live in Austin. If I walk down the street on like a crowded Friday night, I actually want to, might want to do this for a video. Just interview people. Just be like, do you know what Olympic weightlifting is? And just like hold the microphone up to them and just see what they say. And I would guarantee like 99% of them would say the wrong thing or wouldn't know anything at all. Oh yeah. And so that's what I mean. It's like, I don't know if a sport like that does like can sustain itself. If it's, but that's that's kind it, of a, that's kind of a defeatist mentality because you've got something like a sport like bodybuilding, which is like it, it just astronomically more boring than than weightlifting. And I mean, shows like yeah, but Olympia, everyone is a bodybuilder though because if you go to the gym and you do like chest press and bicep curl, you're a bodybuilder. You know, everyone knows what a big jack dude is. Everyone knows what you know. Bodybuilders don't they don't train insofar as like working on skills so it's not an olympic sport in that sense it's just a it's like a whatever you know um i think also this is just indicative of olympic sports as it is is like if you were to ask the average american if they know what judo is they would say i have no fucking idea i know they wear like a karate outfit and that's it (laughs) I don't know what the rules are. I don't know anything about it. And, you know, that makes sense. But that's also because the sport itself is just an Olympic sport. You know, there are some hobbyist judo players, but it's very unlikely. You know, jujitsu helps out with that a little bit. But even still, it's like we're starting to see because the barbell exists in gyms that we're starting to see that's like, oh, that's a barbell with bumper plates. Like, I know that. You know, Olympic weightlifting is what I do, even though it's just like all you do is you use that. You know what I mean? The familiarity of Olympic weightlifting, yeah. people think is a lot similar to what they do. So the the exposure is there, but the knowledge of the sport and the the necessary things for the sport to succeed just aren't there as well. Yeah. I I can see that. Wow, what a what a what a doomer conversation we've had here, Zach. It's taken a very negative turn. You light me up with something positive. What what's what's good going on in your life lately? You had any PRs recently? No. Uh, no. I so I I'm kind of like over. I don't really compete in weightlifting anymore because. Are you still working with Max? Uh yeah. Well, I'm still a coach for Juggernaut Training Systems. Um, so I coach and I train still, I still, you know, snatch clean and jerk and back squat, front squat, all that. Uh, but I just taken a step away from competing. Um, and I don't mind it, you know, for me, it's like, I'm, I'm so tall that if I wanted to continue to compete, I would compete as a super heavyweight and I'm just not interested in being fat as I get into my mid thirties, you know? So you would you would have to like calorically castrate yourself to to get up to being a a, a very competitive super heavyweight. But honestly, I, I mean, I'm here for it. I want to see, I want to see the 140 kilo ZT. Yeah, I yeah, I I I don't even like. There's no part of me that wants to do that. What's Zero. the heaviest you've ever been? I think um I think I was like 115. Yeah, and stairs start to look a little scary, don't they? 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like when you taking a shit and looking down is a whole different <laughs> meaning. Because you got an actual belly. Yeah. There's nothing there anymore. It's just you and the belly. Just you yeah. and the power guy. All of a sudden your bar right. path is shit because you gotta go out around the belly. That's unfortunate. Well, it wasn't at that level, but you know It wasn't Lasha level hanging no. over the belt. No. But you're looking you're looking pretty svelte. Let me throw you some compliments here lately. You're looking looking pretty svelte in some of those photos. Yeah, I that's cause I you know, I just because I'm not competing anymore, like I want to get fit. It's usually how it works for me. It's like I want to just stay just naturally fit. Uh yeah. there's really no point in being fat if it doesn't promote a sport and you know, like that was it for, for weightlifting. Like I just didn't really care about my fitness. I wanted to be strong as fuck. Um, now that I don't compete, you know, I want to be in decent shape cause I'm a human. And, um, so I started doing a lot of jujitsu, uh, and that's been a blast. It's just, it's a great way for me to stay in shape and stay focused and learn a new skill. Whereas CrossFit is like too tall fucking, for that. It's a great workout. That's that's what I'm saying. I would never compete in CrossFit, right? But I, I think it's a great workout. The thing is, I'm not learning anything. Yeah. You know, it's not like jujitsu, like I'm learning every day and it's keeping my mind stimulated. It's like meditative in that way. It's super intense on my brain. It helps me keep going. So that's why I decided to do that. You mentioned that you're a coach at Juggernaut, but soon enough, the AI at Juggernaut will take all of your jobs. So what what is your plan for when that <laughs> inevitably happens before the end of the year? What is what is our long limbed Leviathan of weightlifting have planned for the rest of 2021? For for 2021, I well, first off, the AI is really cool, uh, but you know the value of a program, like a coach. I'd say like when you hire a coach, like 10 to 15% of that coach's worth comes from his programming, right? Everything else is why you have a coach, not the yep. program. So, you know, if you get an AI, whatever, you now have, uh, you know, a 10 to 15% portion of a coach. So it's not like the best thing in the world, but it is pretty cool. I will, I will not, I will admit um, for the future for me, you know, just continue to coach my guys. Uh, Nationals is coming up. So I think I have a couple lifters who are going to lift there. Uh, the rest of Team Juggernaut will have a couple lifters there as well. That's going to be fun. Um, just keep, I'm just going to keep on making content, man, and keep on having fun. I, uh, I've been, you know, a musician and playing music my whole life. So I started to write and and uh record some music in a studio and so i want to keep doing that uh again another fun hobby but it could also turn to something a little bit more intense if people like my music if they don't well then at least i tried fuck them um and so that's it that's me that's what i like to do that's what right i want to keep doing yeah all right folks well you know you got anything to circle back to before we send this thing off into the sunset no man this is great this is great i don't want to I don't want to jinx a, a, you a good podcast. It up? Nope. Yeah, don't fuck it up. Seriously, just stop. Stop right there. Right I'm there. done. All right, guys. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for watching. Like, comment, subscribe. Do all that YouTube shit because the algorithm stays fucking your boy. We will see you on the next one. As always, guys, stay gifted. See ya.